Hi, this is Corey Chambers in Los Angeles. Your home sold, guaranteed, or I'll buy it. Thanks for taking a minute to listen in. In a moment, I'll share with you some valuable information about this topic. Coronavirus update. We've already done worse than the depression. We're talking about four times as bad as the housing crisis, otherwise called the Great Recession, I believe. And uh, maybe we should just increase that and say eight times worse than the Great Depression. I've already done a blog post article and a audio podcast called Worse Than the Great Depression. So... I don't think I want to call this eight times worse than the Great Depression. I want to call this um, people want to panic. Why the world wants to panic. If you see any properties that are of interest to you, let us know. We will gladly send you a property information packet on any loft, condo, or house. Or we will arrange for a private preview upon request. If you have a home you'd like to sell, then you should know that I will guarantee the sale of your present home at a price acceptable to you or I'll buy it for cash. This guarantee will allow you to buy your next home without worrying about selling your present home. To find out how much you could sell your home for, call me at 213-880-9910 now. Why does the world want to panic? Well, the answer is And the reason I would phrase it that way, uh, because people are going to say, well, of course nobody wants to panic. Well, people I've learned in my 52 years, 51 years, however many years it is, that people actually do what they're motivated to do. And when they're not motivated, they don't do it. So the world is panicking. And it is... Roughly anywhere from, mm, it's hard to get the exact amount of how many people are panicking. Let's say 50% to 60, say 20% are panicking a lot, and another 30% are panicking too much. Yeah, so let's just say it's about just over 50% are panicking too much or extremely too much. There's two, uh, not ducks, but geese. Definitely one of my favorite things about the LA River. Right now it's got some green grass growing in the middle of it. Uh, So it's attracting uh, ducks to eat out of that grass. Hopefully the whole thing will turn green. With any luck. The problem is by uh, August it'll probably be 100% dry in September. Um, But I am looking at a couple of beautiful geese eating out of the LA River around the grass that's growing in there right now. So... Not very much, but 
better than nothing. So, uh, come here, come here, puppy, puppy. You're not a goose. You don't have to eat off the ground. Um, so that's why uh, I would say people are panicking because they want to panic. And so we need to boil it down to why do people want to panic? Well, I mean, it's natural to be lazy. It's the law of the universe. Law of the universe that uh, people um, and things um, exert, utilize the least amount of energy necessary. And so while there are people who maybe work harder than they need to, um, the law is that people generally uh, try not to work, try to work as little as possible. Because like all laws, there are exceptions to the rule, but the rule is that people work as little as possible. So I think that's the main reason people want to panic because they smell free money, helicopter money, that they could kind of take from their kids. And uh, people are more willing to take from their kids. And it's not that people want to steal from their kids. I think people maybe are naturally smart enough to know that, hey, their kids are gonna have actually more technology than they have. Um, And, So the kids are probably going to be okay. So let's just take some money from the kids. Because I think people kind of subconsciously, even though most people don't really know economics that well, subconsciously they kind of do. They kind of know that when you spend more money than you have and so forth, then it's it's taken from the next generation. And they know that... uh, Most of the people in the next generation are not their kids. So they still have a chance to set their kids up, you know, to be better than, than, uh, uh, richer, better, smarter, and richer than other kids. So that's what I'm saying it boils down to. People want to, want a vacation. They want to, people have an idea that where technology is going. Uh, several people have talked about this. People know that um, artificial intelligence is gonna be making more decisions when you're doing just about everything. I mean, you, when you go into a restaurant, it'll s- and uh, chicken cordon bleu is your favorite, the, um, you know, the robot or the computer is going to ask you, do you want, would you like chicken cordon bleu today? Or would you like something else? Because it's going to know. And you know what? It doesn't even need to have your records. It will simply look at you, analyze what you're wearing. I mean, it probably will have your records. (laughs) Probably will have your records, but it's going to have so much other information. It'll see that you are a 51-year-old man or a 23-year-old woman or a 67 year old transgendered person and it will 
see what you're wearing. It will see who you're with, what time of the day you're coming in. And this is just one example of artificial intelligence. And it will just be able to know what you probably want. And like I said, it probably will have your records one way or another. But even if it doesn't, artificial intelligence can still add up all these other factors. Just like a human can. Uh, some people are better than others. I'm only average uh, at you know, sizing people up. I'm good at figuring out how very quickly from talking to people how earnest they are how honest they are and how good of a match they are for for whatever I want them or don't want them for whether it's um, just a person off the street who wants to talk to me I can usually tell if it's uh, someone who wants to beg money from me someone who wants to um, help me with something somebody who needs help with something and so forth somebody who wants to make friends someone who's attracted to me women are usually even better than that at men although women have more experience at people being attracted to them and showing it than men do usually <laughs> at least some most um, but anyway it gets back to technology Artificial intelligence, quantum computers are going to be able to do what in less than one second what it takes our computers uh, 500 billion years to do right now. So that's, that's a lot. <laughs> um, you know, it's a miracle that a regular computer in 1940 or whatever, 1950... In 1940, there were computers could take electrons that you can't even see and use them to do calculations. It's like, what is an electron? I don't know, but it sounds interesting. So now we have, it's still about electrons, but it's about going deeper into what the electron can do into the quantum states of electrons. It's about... before an electron could move. It could move or it could stop moving. And that's what made computers work before. On and off. Computers could do basically one thing. They could turn on and off a circuit. And that's where all the data came from. You Like flipping a light switch. You flip it once, and you get one. You get the number one. You flip it on and off once or twice, and you get number two. So that's how computers have been working for the last 50 years. Well, now the way computers work, quantum computers... By the way, the original computers were, could hardly do anything. They could add up... 1 plus 1, 1 plus 2, uh, 2 times 2, and so forth. And they could do it pretty slowly with quite a bit of work and electricity and size and bulk and not very efficient. 
And as we all know, now your um, smartphone can do what a uh, hundred trillion times more data um, and a uh, hundred billion times faster. So with quantum computers, the most interesting facet about that that's something that we cannot see, like electrons, we can't really see quantum states directly with our eye either. Although if you want to do it, you can see the effects just by using polarized sunglasses or a polarized filter for a camera, um, polarized sunglasses, where you could visually see quantum effects. Um, however, you kind of have to be able to freeze yourself down to near absolute zero to be able to really take part in <laughs> quantum uh, mechanics. But anyway, quantum, the most interesting thing about it is that it uses other dimensions just like a traditional electronics classical electronics uh, classical physics uses just the fact that electrons move um, quantum physics uses the fact that quantums that electrons actually move between universes So, that's the most exciting thing, is that you're using this movement between universes to, um, to calculate. So people have talked, there's been movies about different um, dimensions. By the way, when I say universes or dimensions, we can also be talking about different uh, times that the uh, electron is apparently moving back and forth between different uh, times. But people have known for a long time, actually people, uh, scientists have known all this stuff for a long time, Sci physicists, scientists, mathematicians like Einstein, they've known all this stuff for a long time. Um, it's, only in, it's only since about 1990 that uh, they realize we pretty much have the technology to build a quantum computer. So it's when they had most of the um, pieces of a quantum computer. And then the last five or 10 years, they finished all the pieces of the quantum computer, tested it, and they were able to um, reproduce it and build, create it into a computer, although a very big, huge, very inefficient computer, extremely big, bulky, inefficient computer uh, that barely works. 
And they're not going to describe it that way, but I will. Because, you know, any computer kind of barely works. If you ever had a 286 or 386 trying to run Windows in like 1989, uh, 1990, then you would know a lot about computers that barely work. <laughs> because you'd get the blue screen of death almost any time you tried to do anything uh, powerful, which I was doing. I was doing signs, which was uh, using, you know, computer-aided design, computer-aided drafting uh, applications, which really uh, used a lot of computer resources, and those computers were barely able to handle it. Then they would always have memory leaks, run out of memory, and get the get the blue screen of death, or or just crash, or freeze. So you really could not do any work. You always had to save your work every roughly every ten minutes. Come on, whippy puppy. Yeah. So you always had to save your work every ten minutes, or you would uh, lose it. So. Uh, I learned to save my work every 5, 10, 20 minutes. Let's see, what else? Uh, that's pretty much all there is to say about kids. So, we've discussed people are motivated to not work so that's where really where we are so but there are still plenty of people that are motivated to accomplish as much as possible I put that myself in that category to accomplish as much as possible help as many people as much as possible uh, make the most out of my life and help other people to do so that's why I'm an entrepreneur. I've always enjoyed this exchange of being able to help other people and they help you back. Some people don't like that so much. They either just want to help people and they don't think that you should want to be helped back. And uh, that's fine, although then you are your motivation goes down for the vast majority of people. You're motivated by getting helped back. Then there's other people that really don't want to help other people. It just feels like a total burden. Ideally, they would just like to take the money without doing anything from other people. So that's, you know, like a bank robber would be, or a thief, petty thief or bank robber or some other type of criminal for a monetary gain as those types of people. And there's plenty of people that would like to do that, but they just would not want to go to jail or get shot. <laughs> so I'm not one of those people. I'm in the middle. I will probably divide it into thirds. A third would like to just help people 
and they would prefer to not get helped back if they could afford it just to help people for free. And there's the other, the middle third, which is what I am part of. I love the even exchange of commerce, of helping people and getting something out of it, like a little Christmas present, a little gift, but I, I was able to give them a little gift like a gift exchange. So maybe it's more than a third of people that prefer both. But I don't think it's much more than a third. I think there's plenty of people that would really prefer to uh, not give anything. And probably equal number of people that would prefer to just give and really makes they they would really would rather not you know have other people feel obligated to to give them something they'd really rather just have everything they they need be on a trust fund or whatever so they could just give and help other people but i think human nature is that human nature is the give and take so that's why I think more than a third, maybe 50%, maybe more than 50% of the population, maybe 60%, really would prefer to give and receive. I think it's like that way for a lot of things and personal interactions and people's love lives and all that other stuff. I think people really most enjoy doing both. So ultimately, people are going to get tired of this... Um, lockdown and bad economy. By the way, I've mentioned it before, economics is already the dismal science, but economics during a depression or recession or depression becomes the dismal and depressing science. So... That's what we're talking about right now. People will get tired, though, of being depressed. People will get tired of being poor. People will get tired of the chaos. And at that point, it'll come to them, oh, we probably need a good economy. Oh, how do we really get a good economy? Oh, that's right, I almost forgot. It's by working. (laughs) And it'll come to people. That's right, everyone needs to work. How did we almost forgot? We don't have computers and, and robots doing all the work quite yet. In fact, we're not going to have that in our lifetime where, like, no humans are doing work. I mean, people want to work. <laughs> At least 20 or 40%, maybe more, would really prefer to be doing some kind of work. And a lot of people would rather be doing physical work. I mean, our our bodies are kind of built, more or less, to be doing physical, manual labor. We are cavemen. We are really designed to be hunting, gathering, or um, farming. Or something similar to that.
So, uh, in a way, most of the things that we do are, are, you know, have some similarities to hunting, gathering, or farming. This water looks clean today. We're in Elysian Park, where we are almost every day walking the Wuppie Puppy. Um, so, eight times the Great Depression. Uh, so that's my prediction. At least some of the numbers will be eight times the Great Depression. Eight times worse than the Great Depression. But we already have that. Maybe not exactly eight times, but we have things already that are worse than the Great Depression. The rate of unemployment is... is maybe eight times worse than the Great Depression. So that's pretty much uh, it. Oh, I would like to talk more about why people have it wrong as far as the coronavirus, COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2, all the things that are wrong, uh, all the things that are misleading about that. I'm one of the... The majority disagree with me. The majority, uh, while I say they want to, you know, they want to be, um, they want to panic. That's their main motivation. And uh, the way they express that, that desire to panic, they express it by saying, oh, I believe that, um, that the coronavirus is the, pro- is the culprit. I believe the government. I believe the doctors. Of course, why shouldn't I? Well, I could tell that they're just using that as an excuse, most people, because they're really not passionate about that argument. I put out enough uh, um, tweets and so forth about that, and you really have a pretty small number of people that actually are supporting those arguments, and those people are pretty darn weak. Uh, Most people, I guess I'm naturally mover and shaker, because when someone tells me that I have to radically change my behavior, I'm always gonna question it. And when I have a goal and somebody seems to be um, blocking it for no good reason that I could see. I, I try to find out why, why is my goal being blocked? Who's blocking it? Or how is it being blocked? How do I unblock it? And sometimes you got to find out what are all the what are all the things that are going on that are causing your goals to be blocked. So we know that uh, the coronavirus uh, panic is blocking a whole lot of economic goals. And I'm at the uh, stage in my life where I want to put the most focus on achieving those goals. And now we have the biggest block in history. So that's why I've taken the time to research. What is this biggest block in history? 
Now, I don't believe, even though it's the biggest block in history, if you want to be successful, you cannot blame that for not achieving your goals. You have to, as quickly, swiftly, and easily as possible, just either move around it, jump over it, dig under it, use it as a step on your ladder to your goals. So, but to use the coronavirus thing as a step in my goals, it's taking a lot of thinking and a lot of time, a lot of contemplation, much of which I've been putting on these podcasts. That's part of what we're doing now. I think some people might take three seconds or 30 seconds or three hours or three days and then come up with a perfect solution and just immediately start... um, making money off of the coronavirus, like by offering a uh, house um, sanitizing business, put an ad in the Craigslist, put an ad on Google, Facebook, YouTube, in the local newspaper or whatever, Uh, house sanitizing with antiviral disinfectants um, call today have your house sanitized tomorrow maybe even put in a price in there probably test it a b test it do one ad with a price one ad without see which one makes the most uh, profit most success for you and uh that's something that I probably would have done when I was younger if I did, wasn't already in the middle of a major real estate project. Um, I made a decision 10 years ago to be dedicated to real estate. Still, I'll still do some other things, but being dedicated to real estate is being dedicated to real estate. That means I'm not going to go off on a full-bore tangent on something else. And if you're not going to go on a full-bore on something else, then when you do something else, it's probably not going to be 100% successful. So that's why I'm still putting full bore into real estate, even though real estate is now at the beginning of the worst real estate market decline in history. Uh, By the way, we're not at the real beginning. The real beginning was a few years ago for downtown Los Angeles. But real estate moves so slowly, I'm a bit of a slow learner already, so when I'm doing something that takes six months to give its first clue of what it's doing or how it's changing, <laughs> and then in another six months you kind of get another clue, because that's how long it takes for the real estate market really to uh, make a, a, a serious change, or that, you know, that can be measured. So you're talking like a year and a half to really get a good feel of what's going on. And then me being a slow learner, it could take me three times that. So we're looking at, for me, um, five and a half years. Yeah, basically five and a half years to really get a good clue of what's even happening. But now with the uh, coronavirus... 
I already had the clue of what was happening with this long-term downtrend. And then, but now I know that's not only long-term downtrend, but now we got a really serious uh, downturn, a really serious uh, issue. And so I'm staying focused 100% on real estate, even though I'm an entrepreneur and have these other ideas of how to leapfrog with the coronavirus. Um, But fortunately, there are, even in the most down market in history, the most down real estate market in history, there are um, things to um, make the most of the situation. I believe that I will be doing something at least part-time that is uh, not real estate, but that um, in the meantime, um, I will be focusing on real estate and doing the uh, things that are the most, um, you know, the most fit the situation of um, of being at the beginning of the worst real estate decline in history. Namely, as you saw on my post and podcast yesterday, <laughs> that uh, helping sellers, helping help, helping homeowners to where they do not get bad credit, they don't lose equity in their home, and they don't have their home foreclosed on. And the way that I'm helping that, people who really feel that those are possibilities, is by offering the um, 24-hour offer, cash offer on their home. So I'm helping homeowners who feel the inkling of a crisis or they're already, probably already, you know, underwater, feel like they're sinking, drowning, um, that they're going to be calling me for, for that 24-hour um, cash offer, which could take six months from the time I start advertising it, from the time the you know, first um, hints of a serious problem until when we actually have the foreclosures happening. Because even though it's to prevent foreclosure, they're probably going to be calling me generally at the last minute is when they start calling based on previous you know, experience from 10 years ago. Come up here. Is uh, they wait until they get their like their final, their final, final notice, <laughs> or even their uh, auction notice before they <laughs> re- decide that they actually need to do something about it. So that takes uh, about six months from now. So in the meantime, I'll, you'll be hearing me talk more more about that, um, and about other other ways to help people in in the crisis. Uh, regarding real estate. The way that I have been trying to help people, but people only do things really at, at the last minute. Even with real estate, they'll kind of wait till they realize, oh, maybe I should have done this, you know, last month or last year. But the home buying process and home selling process is a process, especially the selling process takes 
usually longer than the buying process. When I'm helping a home buyer, it usually takes them anywhere from a few weeks to a few months, say three weeks to three months from start to finish. And then um, with home sellers, it's usually say six months to a year and a half uh, from start to finish because they'll take longer to get ready to sell their home and they'll start researching it early, they'll start calling. Um, they still may, some of them feel that they want to sell it yesterday, but uh, selling usually just, they just take longer. Because buying, buyers usually, if they don't see a place they like after they've looked at about seven properties, then they their chances of buying a place starts to go down after that. Uh, once they looked at about three, prop, three to seven properties, they should find one that they like, would like to put an offer on. That's usually what is what happens. When they start looking at eight, nine, 10, 20, 30 properties, their chances of buying a place goes down. Um, Want to go this way? Okay. So getting back to eight times worse than the Great Depression. Another thing I've learned about people is that they have a hard time understanding cycles. I mentioned that before. They also have a hard... And by the way, these are just things that I'm good at. That's why I notice other people are bad at them. If I was as bad at them, I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't notice them. So I can only point out, people can point out the things that other people do wrong, which may be true, but it's probably because that person is, um, just happens to be good at that. Like if you notice that most people are really terrible cooks, you're probably a good cook, not necessarily, but probably a good cook. I notice that people have a hard time recognizing cycles, especially long-term cycles, like um, recessions. But they could just ignore them. They just could find economics boring. Um, or I could just be a lot better at that than most because I always had my eye open and I remember what happened 6 to 12 years ago. And I put a lot of thought into it and then I'm able to compare that with other recessions, depressions, and booms. And then I'm able, I listen to other experts. I'm not calling myself an expert, but I guess compared to the average person, I have more expertise in economics and I have more education than the average person in economics. That's why I can say that this will be eight times worse than the Great Depression. And I, as long as I point out that no, I don't have an exact calculation of exactly eight times, but I will be very close. <laughs> and because the, some of the numbers are going to be different. Some numbers, like as I mentioned, are already worse for this depression than they were for the Great Depression. 
So it's not hard, it's not difficult math when something has already happened more than once. Um, such as bad recessions. And we've already received more than one, I know at least two or more numbers that I've seen are already worse than the Great Depression. One was job loss, one was the uh, stock market crash was much faster and more money than the Great Depression. And I believe there's probably other numbers that are already worse than the Great Depression. And that needs to lead us, you know, since we're talking about being successful, that needs to lead us to what I, you've heard me talk about over and over, which is that these cycles, not only will it be great again at, you know, when we have the next boom cycle, which is, usually takes about three to six years for that next boom cycle, not only will that be fantastic, but right now, this very second, and in six months from now, there's the most amazing opportunities, financial, money-making, career opportunities, as there have ever been before. All right. Thanks for listening. About eight times worse than the Great Depression. Thank you so much. As I mentioned earlier, a property information packet is available on any loft, condo, or house. Or a private preview is available upon request as a public service, for free public service to the community. If you want a video of any property around downtown Los Angeles or anywhere in greater Los Angeles or Southern California, California, possibly even other states, um, there's a good chance we're going to be able to get that video for you. Go in, take the video, and upload it to YouTube for you for free. No cost, no obligation to you. Call me at 213-880-9910 now. I'm Corey Chambers in Los Angeles. Your home sold, guaranteed, or I'll buy it. Thanks again. You take care. Bye-bye.